Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is the Ocean Protect podcast talking about the issues that face our oceans and what we can do about it. Presented by Ocean Protect, committed to change. Michael Wicks, welcome to the Ocean Protect podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Brad. I'm like long-time listener, or I think about third-time <laughs> caller, so no, good to be here. <laughs> is, it, is this your third time? Oh, no. oh yes, yeah, no, you're third. right, yeah. Because yeah. you, you interviewed Ace Bucken with Jeremy yeah, back in the yeah. day, season one, and we actually had you as a guest. God, I must have been struggling for talent that oh, week, but man. we had you as a guest. Scraping the bottom of the barrel there that day. <laughs> we are in the middle of pandemic. You know, people are lying low. So here we are back again. But look, in all seriousness, I was thinking just a couple of days ago, look, we're over 100 episodes into our Ocean Pet podcast, third season. And every time someone comes on our show, we always ask for their backstory. And one thing I've realized we've never done is get the backstory of Ocean Protect. <laughs> so here we are. Better late than never, bro. Yeah. Better late than never. And, and look, in all seriousness, I actually haven't heard it myself. I've heard snippets. And there's a few Chinese whispers out there in the big bad world about the origins and, and the shenanigans. But I'm keen to sort of hear it from you guys. So you guys are the co-founders of Ocean Protect, formerly known as Stormwater 360 Australia. Well, actually, formerly known, I think, Wixie, was Ingle Environmental yes. Services. And formerly a part of the Ingle Civil Products group of companies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, so let, let, let's take it all the way back, baby. Wixie, yeah, Wixie, bring it, bring it, bring it back, let's, mate. Let's go back to the dream time. So <laughs> what, what, when was the dream time? What, what is kind Carowina of- Road. Tell me, day one, what was what, what so Ingal Civil something? What, what well, was mate, this? it started well before that, really. You know, like... Well, here we go. Look, if we want to go all the way back, for me it started when I first stood up on a surfboard when I was about five years old. Um, at a place called Boat Harbour, which I live only now a few kilometres from that, that place. So my dad and my Uncle Baz took me out surfing when I was a little kid and I got hooked on surfing at five. I was like, how cool is this? It was nothing like it being in the water and splashing around and getting up and catching some waves. It was something that just sort of stuck with me. I was like, you know what, this is, and even at five, you know, I was, I've was, i got no idea now, even less then, um, believe it or not. But it was like a really good sort of introduction to the environment and for me, at least anyway, and I started a passion from just surfing from young age. So I was always in the water from 
you know, we used to live at a place called Engadine, so little little town. It was, you know, about 25, 30 minutes from the beach, so there wasn't a beach nearby. So it wasn't until I probably hit high school that I could really start to surf a lot, and I surfed heaps. Is that how you got your physique? Yeah. <laughs> my athletic physique came from my surfing. Well, you know, it was probably from that because I used to surf all the time and eat whatever I wanted, didn't put on weight, but clearly ah. when you slow down surfing. Little little dirty bird after surfing? Oh, nah, look, uh, anyway, let's not talk about the bird. I'll go on a tangent, but no. And obviously uh, you were left high school and, and went on to university and, and you actually st- studied engineering, am I right? Yeah, so so when I, when I was in about year 10, 15, we used to have a caravan down the coast, used to surf all the time down there and I surfed after a storm once. Waves were cranking, I remember it, waves were awesome and I was just like, I've got to get out there, so... Went surfing after a storm, and I got really sick after a storm. Got an ear infection, had to go to local hospital, had to stay out of the water for about two weeks, and I was absolutely filthy. You know, like a 15-year-old with nothing to do in Caribbean Park in the middle of nowhere, and all I had with my friend was my surfboard, and I had nothing else to do. So it really drove me insane. But it got me thinking about, hang on, why am I getting sick after the rain? Like, you couldn't see the bottom. It was all murky, you know, and I was just like, you know, how did this sort of happen? So... I went to uni, did engineering, didn't think much of it, but I thought, hang on, maybe there's something there. And I was working for a precast company doing bridges and, you know, some treatment devices, things like that. And then I had a few changes in my life when I was early, when I was mid-20s, sort of went through a few things and I had to have a change. So I basically just went, you know what? I had a friend who got into this, he was an engineer and he got into this thing, water treatment. He goes, hey, Wixie, come and have a look at this, mate. What do you think? And I was just like, how cool is that? Then I made the link. I was like, right, so everything that comes off our roads goes into our waterways, goes out to our beaches, especially after rainfall when we're surfing, there's a heap of crap in it. And I was like, hello. And the penny dropped, and that was when I was about 24, 25. So, again, a bit, bit slow on the uptake sometimes. Yeah, I just went, wow, this is something that I can do. You know, I wanted a bit of purpose with the engineering. I didn't want to go and build bridges and, and, and stuff mm. like that. Sure, infrastructure is mm. nice, but I was just, you know, it, it felt – sort of meaningless for me. Financially, it was great. Commercial mm. was great, but but there was just no fulfilment in the role. So I sort of fell into this and wow. So hang on, what was it? So you've gone off and you actually established a company with this guy or? No, what, I, what? I basically just picked up a job. So my old manager, Damien Egan, who we all know, Damien worked there and worked at this, this company. So hang on, Damien was the guy that Pulled your side and yeah. said, because as a side note for listeners who might not be, uh, would know Damien, Damien is our national sales manager at Ocean Protect. So this is going back. Yeah, yeah. Look, for, for, former mentor and serial pest, Damien Egan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's former mentor. But you, just give it a time, just t- a time frame. So are we talking 20, 20 years ago? Yeah, yeah. Over 20 years, yeah, wow. 20 years ago. And I came across and I, I looked at, you know, I basically looked at the website and I went, wow, this is really cool. And I was like, this is really good. And literally within a couple of weeks of being there, I met uh, Mr. James Lenhart. And it was just like, wow, this guy's, this guy's onto it. This guy knows his stuff. This is an engineer. He's got some passion. He likes the environment. You know, he's, he's sharp. He knows what he's doing, knows where he's headed. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Janet, and, and just for the listeners, James Lenhart is otherwise known as Pappy. Pappy resides in Portland, Oregon, and he's sort of the godfather of stormwater, really. He invented a lot of the products that we now sell, and he's a passionate environmentalist, lots of fun, but he's one of the most smartest people we know, and he helps us out at Ocean Protect also. 
Yeah, and he's not, and he's not a former rugby league player. Just for those listeners who are, you know. <laughs> and we've had James on the podcast. I think he was episode number two. Yeah, we should get him back on actually because that, that was a good episode. Yeah, we are planning on getting him back on in a couple of months. Oh, fantastic! So yeah, carry on. What's it? Carry on. So you meet Pappy. So basically, from there, I meet Pappy, and look, yeah. So basically, I got excited really about the role uh, working with Jim. Working with another guy, Hayden Wallace, a few other guys down there. I met Stephen Best there as well, guy who works here at Ocean Protect. And and I went, you know what, this is really for me. And and from that point in time, I was I was hooked because I could see the, the the part about installing product, but I could see you know the whole idea that you know what we put it in the ground, we maintain it. Basically, we're, we're doing a meaningful contribution to mitigating stormwater pollution. And you know, no disrespect to anyone else out there in the industry, but but I actually wanted to do something. I wanted to have my hands a little bit dirty. I wanted to know that every day, regardless of what happens, win, lose, or draw commercially, that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're stopping rubbish, pollution, nutrients, getting to the oceans and waterways every day. And that's something I get up with and go, yeah, how cool is this? And now we are stopping, what, seven tonne a day? Yeah, that's right. So we think, and we, we'll get into actually what Ocean Protect is, because we haven't really described that either, but this is crazy after 100 episodes. But yeah, Ocean Protect, we've got about 50,000 assets in the ground, and we estimate we stop about seven tonnes of pollution going into our waterways every day. Every day. Every day, and I think that figure's a little bit light. We will pass 30,000 storm-footed cartridges this year. Wow, 30,000 little black filters. For everyone, the storm filter, I guess, is our flagship product. We've started installing them. What we see, two thousand and two. Yeah, two thousand and two. Well, hang on. We, we'll, we'll get we'll get into this time frame. But back to this time frame. You're you're working for this company with these other guys, Dame with Damien and Jim and Steve Best, etc. But this is obviously for a, another company. Yes, yes. So look, we had the guys, Mike and Greg from uh, Stormwater Three Hundred and Sixty New Zealand. They came along and, and did a deal with Ingle Civil, and then I was lucky enough to be become a shareholder. A good colleague, uh, Brendan Poole, got me involved. Big shout out to B if, you, if you're out there, mate. Hopefully surfing somewhere in New Zealand. But yeah, look, got a good opportunity, got in, and then myself and, and Jeremy did a management buy in 2010. I saw real, you know, scope with what we we're offering. The technology, the flagship Stormfield was really ahead of its time. You know, yeah. you think about it, it's, it's a media filter that can remove nutrients and not just, you know, TKN or organic in it removes you know ammonium we've developed media that now removes you know high levels of nitrate as well like it is the real deal and it's testament i suppose to all the systems in the ground and we knew that and we knew you know everyone who gets involved in the technology and you talk to jim and, and you look at the design process and what it's been through you just sort of go you know what this guy's thought of pretty much everything with this technology so we knew we we're on a winner we knew it was going to explode at some stage, and it did, and boy, did it. Well, hold on. Yeah, we, we, we've skipped over a few doozy little moments It certainly here. didn't explode. I mean, Yeah, let's go backtrack a little bit. Cool. Let's go. Let's, let's unpack it. So we, we, when we did the, the management buyout in, what, 2010? So when you say management buyout, what do you mean? Like so, so we, myself, Mike, and a former colleague, Peter Granger, bought the company from Mike and Greg in New Zealand. They own Stormwater 360 right. in New Zealand. We bought it in Australia. 
So you guys essentially set up Stormwater 360 Australia. Yeah. Three people, yeah. I remember, I mean, our office was in Parowina Road, and I can, oh, I'm going to have to say this. We, oh, we literally. Really? Look, look, it was, it was, it was cheap rent for a reason, put it that way. And we didn't realize until we moved <laughs> we, in. We, we didn't realize until we moved in, and there were these, well, like, we'd, we'd, we'd finish work late at night, and then we'd drive out of this little factory, and all these scantily clad looking women were sort of, you know, hanging around apartment four. And then next thing you know, we worked out, we were sort of, our office was next to a, um, uh, another business. A massage parlor. <laughs> yeah. Massage parlor with a little red light on it, which comes yeah. out on Thursday <laughs> night. No wonder it was like less than 100 bucks a square metre. Oh, so funny. Parowina Road. I mean, we were trying to take orders. We were trying to get orders. I mean, just to give a bit of context, there was no real regulation in Australia for stormwater quality treatment. We really didn't know what we were doing. We were, Wixie was this precaster, you know, he knew about concrete. We, we were making product and left, you know, to certain precasters in Wollongong. Remember that, remember the guy down in Wollongong, Wixie? Yeah, what was we his had name? him. Oh, he was crazy. Um, we literally were going out, just ringing contractors, trying to compete with Humes and Rockler. Now, for, for the listeners, they are like billion dollar companies. Rockler's owned by, owned by Fletcher's, the New Zealand company. Hume's owned by Wholesome. And we were just these three guys going out, knocking doors, getting in with contractors, trying to like promise the world. And everyone was like, nah, we're not giving you a run. Yeah, we're going to go with Hume's. We're going to go with Rockler. But we managed somehow to get a few runs on the board and get a few projects and obviously deliver them and, and try and get some feedback to, you know, to go out to other customers. But. I remember in that first year, actually we lost money in that first year. We looked, remember looking at each other and we worked our ring holes off. And at the end of the year, we, you know, looked, looked at the accounts and we'd gone backwards. Um, I just. But, but this was, this was, let's paint the picture. This was just post GFC. Yeah. That's right. Every business had just been smashed up. This is 2009, 2010. Everyone's coming off the back of the GFC. We're just recovering like we have no staff. We've got. We've got three people, four people in the company, someone answering the phones, the three of us. We're doing sales, specification, we're doing production, we're doing project management, we're doing some installs, we're packing up pallets, we're moving stuff around the forklift. We're doing everything because the GFC just come and decimated and wiped things out. We were starting to move up in 2007, 2008, oh, okay, and then 2009, oh, talk about just falling off a cliff. We had to let everyone go. We did. We had, we, we let everyone go one by one systematically. Poor old Donna. I remember Donna. If she's listening, probably not. That was the worst one. I was out. I had to go out and install the screen in a GPT. Yeah, that's such a lie. And I had to wait. There was only like, we had to fire everyone. Well, there was no one else to do it. Brad put it that way. You know, who else was going to bolt the screen in? Seriously, there was no one else. Poor wee Donna's in the office next to me and Wixie didn't come back to the office and I, I had to let her go. And I had to sit there all day and she was just sitting in the wee office next to us. Got to the afternoon. Hey, Donna, can you come into the office? And by that stage, she left. There was no one. It was myself, Mike, and Peter. We, we had right. no one else. We couldn't afford anyone else. It was depressing. It was taxing on yourself. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is the thing I think a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people who aspire to be eco entrepreneurs and start up their own business. But the reality is quite hard. Like you guys basically didn't make any money for a very long time. For years. <laughs> But financially, how do you how do you do that? Like you've got Dude, Michael, you've got four kids now. Let's break it down. I had, I was running two mortgages yeah. on the back end of the GFC with no cash, looking at no staff, going probably not the best business investment. This one, not sure I'm going to, how I'm going to have the conversation with the wife yet. So I'll just let that slide for a bit. And it was it was tough. It I was borrowed difficult. money from my mum, and my mum didn't wow. have any money. And she was the one who said, hey, this is a really good opportunity with Wixie. I'm going to lend you some money. And I'm like, I didn't even know she had that money. And, and I think, I can't remember how much it was, but it was a huge amount at the time. And after that first year of losing money, I, me and Wixie looked at each other and were like, oh, shit, this is not a good idea. Look, one thing we knew, we knew we were doing a lot of work. We were based in Sydney and we knew that we were doing, there was a couple of councils down here who were saying the right things. That was the thing that was encouraging. And we knew that there was policy coming in Queensland. So, you know, those two things sort of put a bit of hope, I guess. When you're sitting there with the best technology and truly believe it, you're waiting for the regulations to change. You know, within the first couple of weeks back in 2002, I knew that there was a great technology, but I knew it was ahead of its time. And it was really about regulation really just coming on board. You know, and once that did, it, it changed. Well, this is a corker. So we were, I oh, must have been 2011, we were really struggling financially and we had a couple of big projects in Blacktown City Council. And if we got them, we, we, we were going to survive, right? But it was all coming down to getting an approval. And this is how close it was. We were, yeah, yeah. We were, we were really struggling. We were on the bones. You know, if we didn't get these projects, we would have shut down. And Wixie's working really hard with a guy called Big Tony Merrilies at Blacktown City Council. And we can tell the story. Tony will laugh. Anyway, so we're really trying hard. And you know what it's like now to get approvals. You imagine, you know, 15 years ago, we're literally relying on this approval so we could take an order so we could survive. Approval from a council to utilize this asset type in their local government area. Yeah. And it is a very, very, very time consuming process. Mate, we were going backwards and forwards for probably six to eight weeks. We were oh, yeah. backwards and forwards with emails, like full keyboard warrior, backwards and forwards, you know. Meanwhile, the bank manager, I'm guessing, is knocking on the door. Oh, mate. Meanwhile, we had we had a contractor wanting to place an order with us. Mate, we're so stressed out. Anyway, we finally get this email that comes through. Well, I, I sent an email, like the last sort of thrown it out there. It's, you know, probably a couple of pages long and pinged it off about 11.30 at night. Yeah. And the email's gone. I thought, you know what? I've got it. Yeah. You know, it's, it, you know, if he you can't know, say no. You know, there's nowhere to go from here, but it's either going to be <laughs> yes or no. It's, and then I'm like, I'm looking good. I'm looking all right here. And so you know, I shut up the laptop. I go to bed and go, I'm cooked. I'm done. This is over. I wake up the next morning and, uh, 
a person will name nameless, but uh, working with us, he uh, had seen the email and and basically we Black Town had come back and said, yeah, you know what, you're approved. Internally, he pressed reply at all and included the people at Blacktown City Council. <laughs> and he thought he was just saying this to Mike and I, but he wrote, cop that, Tony. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, cop that, Tony. But he replied back to Blacktown City. Oh, my God, we woke up the next morning. See, <laughs> see what had I've, happened. I've gone from I've got this, I've nailed this, to I've looked at it and gone, oh, no. Oh, no. Mike had to jump in the car, drive out to Blacktown, like running in there, ringing him, going, "Hey, Tony, don't open your emails." You know, no. <laughs> he got him. He got him just as he was sitting down. He opened up the email, and we, we thought, "This is it." He's going to turn around and say, "Bugger off, you smart asses!" But to, to Tony's credit, he did take it on the chin. We just said, "Look, we're extremely excited about it. Got emotional, or whatever." But I mean, how, how goes that? I mean, we're relying on this approval and we go and we be a smart ass and reply. I mean, it was highs and lows, but. Um, well, what a ride. What a ride back then. If, if, if that approval hadn't have come through or Tony had have said. Oh, we, oh, were, yeah, we, we, we were months. Oh, days. Go, on, go, go yeah. and get some more money from a bank. Yeah. And, and would that, in all seriousness, would that have been a possibility? Third mortgage on the house? Yeah, sure. No worries. Yeah, yeah. We I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have anything back then. So how do you survive, though, without money? This is, I think, a question, like, a lot of, again, a lot of people aspire to run their own businesses, but reality is most businesses don't, don't make any money for a year or two or whatever. But how did you guys survive? Michael, you've you got four kids now. Oh, yeah. I didn't have four back then. No, <laughs> certainly not four back then. I, I was lucky enough, you know, look, really, the real estate market got me into it. I bought a unit. When I was, you know, sort of, I think, 27. I think because we jumped in the boom, we were pretty lucky. We made good money on the unit. We sold it. We got a townhouse. And then I had enough equity to get a second mortgage. So because I had some bricks and mortar behind me, a bank would lend me a second mortgage if I was crazy enough to ask for it, which I was. Yes. So we would. I would have had to extend that second mortgage out again. And how close did, was it a case of, like, this is just too hard. Let's just go stack shelves at Woolies. For me, it was never going to be that. I was like, you know what, this is this, this is going to work. I had the faith in the technology. I did. And I had the faith that, you know, we can't keep crapping in our oceans and, and think this is acceptable. And I was like, you know, we're not talking about climate change and global warming. And it was really global warming back then, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about people dropping rubbish and, and nutrients and sediment on the ground, directly or indirectly, and it goes to our waterways, beaches, creeks, ocean. We swim in it, the fish get sick, we get sick. I'm like come on, this is not a hard concept for people to follow. You know, this can't be acceptable and be the status quo for the next 20 years. Mikey, we were certainly ahead of our time because we did believe in what we were doing. And that passion did come across to people, I guess. And whilst it was it was difficult, I mean, mate, Mike and I had a bust up one day. You remember that, Wixie? Oh, yeah. The car And Look, I, t- I would have taken him as well. Hundred <laughs> percent. Hands down. I've never, I've never seen her. Oh, I've seen you that angry. So hang on, you two, you two are in the in a car park. Oh yeah. Have a fight. Oh, oh mate, I had him all over him. Yeah, yeah. All over him. <laughs> I've never seen him so angry. I was like, what did I say? Oh, I, mean, I can't remember. But that was in that car park at Parowina. Uh, anyway, so we went from Parowina Road, and then we got a new office, and and, and we we really couldn't afford it. But we Stevens Stevenson's Road. Is that right? Stevens Road at Botany, I believe it was. Botany, Botany. And we, we started to get employees. So, 
you imagine three boys or two boys in an office and then, you know, it was pretty reckless. The lunches con- consisted of like Coke, ham and cheese sandwiches because that's all we could really afford. You know, we needed people. You know, we needed more people because we started to make a little bit of money. And so the dynamic changed very quickly when we had to get, I think Grace was the first lady. That yeah, came we had, a, had another lady there, Grace. And, and uh, then we had Layla. Layla. Marketing now, we had Layla after that. And then, you know, engineers the real pure breed and genius of us all engineers, Adrian McNally, Irish engineer, who was backpacking around Australia. And I remember saying to Jeremy, I said, you know, Irish engineer, I said, I like Irish engineers. They're, they're good guys. They're smart. You know, they're sharp. They'll work hard. And I just said, look, you know, as long as he's not on the source and he shows up for the interview, I said, yeah. this, you know, this is this is encouraging. So I showed up on time, suit and tie, ready to go, an engineer, an Irish engineer, Backpacking around the world, and he shows up on time for an interview. We said this will be great. You couldn't understand him back then, too. I mean, there's another story we could tell about that guy, but uh, I don't think we will. Oh, we could probably podcast. leave that one out. Yeah. I think I think one of the one of one of the good ones is probably Harut Chikazian because Harut was not long after that. Harut was Maru Strunkazian, aka Harut Chikazian. What a guy. We, we were talking to a root, and he was always at, at a competitor. And yeah, he, yeah, he was. He was. And look, I worked at that competitor. Damien's worked there. Matt Garrow, who now works for us, worked at the same place. Like we all sort of knew each other. We want this guy. We want. He this was guy good. He was, he was really cool. good. He was across all the engineers. We really wanted him, and he was with the competitor, mm. wasn't he? And I heard he was a great dancer too. So I went, you know what? We, you know, this is this is, could be something special here. So oh, I know where you I know where you're going with this. So we so we interviewed him, and we always interviewed him outside the office because we didn't have many people. I think we had five at this stage. So we had uh, a Russian in marketing, we had an Irish engineer, and we had Kiwi sales and another engineering dude in me and Mr. Granger North, and and that was really about it. So we always interviewed. Harut outside the office because we're really small, you know, and we just moved into this place. So anyway, we get Harut to agree to come along and which was great. And we're at the pub. And so we okay, so we, we cut the deal, got him in, and, and I remember him the first day, just the look on his face. Comes up the stairs at the office and goes, Oh, cool, I found it. Yeah, it was a bit of a drive, probably an hour and a half at the time. Yeah, yeah from the house. Wow. And he's like, I remember him saying, Where is where is everyone? Where is everyone? <laughs> this is it, buddy. You could see the look on his just the blood go from his face, and he almost passed out on the floor. Oh, I remember that day. He was like, is, is this is this it? Is this is it? This, you know. <laughs> so he obviously had visions of you guys being essentially bigger than what you were. And that's what we tried to do in the early days because we had to promote ourselves as if we were a big company. We're up against big companies. So, mm. you know, we had we had decent marketing and we said all the right things. And Contact really helped us out with that. And, you know, like we couldn't even afford to do our own sort of marketing. So we'd get the soft coffees from Contact, you know, make it a, make, turn it out to be a bit more Australian. Shit, it was crazy. Let's bring back memories. Uh, Contech is the US company, uh, multi, you know, very, very big company that essentially we we license their devices in Australia. Yeah, this is interesting. I, I I didn't know I didn't know any of this sort of stuff basically. So about that time, we have the Tony moment at Blacktown. We we have regulation approved in Queensland, mm. and then and then the business really started to rumble. It really started to motor along, and we just went on this path of putting people on, and we probably got to about. 2015 and we were well i think we're about 15 employees then and man we were all busted and we've gone from you know nothing 
to actually finally paying our debts back and clearing ourselves. And it took that four years to sort of, you know, catch up. So we pretty much took from when I started to a break even point. It was it was literally thirteen years later. That's incredible. It's a long time and you've got to and you can't just want to do something for the money. You've got to do it for the love. You get up some days, you go in, you get kicked in the teeth, everything feels like it's going wrong. You're thinking, who's gonna hate on me today? And you go, you know what? You just dust it off and go, All right, stress is something I'll put in my breakfast cereal every morning, let's go. And you get up and do it again. And you do everything. As Wixie said before, I mean, we all had our forklift license because there was no manager down in the factory. So you'd be on the phone trying to sell something or Wixie would be, you know, talking to a council engineer. The doorbell would ring. You'd be like, oh, can I just, you know, hold, hold the line? You'd go down, you'd jump on the forklift, you'd do a delivery, mm. come back up. We were doing everything. Just stay back after three o'clock and build some cartridges that have got to go out in a job in a wow. couple of days' time. Wow. Put them on a pallet, stack it, you know, like, yeah. It was one of those ones where my title might be yeah, yeah. director or whatever. That didn't matter. In the, in the early days, man, we were doing everything. Cleaning the toilets, cleaning the kitchen, cleaning the office ourselves. We couldn't afford to have any cleaners in. Like, you name it. It was like, it was tight. It was real tight. But now looking back on it, we had, we had a lot of fun. We didn't have any money. Every win that you'd get, you'd, you'd, oh, well, you'd celebrate it. And then, and, you know, it obviously capitulated to, to obviously where we are today. But I wouldn't say capitulate. Uh, no, 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 no. What's the um, other word? What's the other word? It probably catapulted to where we are now. Thanks for listening to the Ocean Protect podcast. The episodes are released weekly, and the next episode will feature part two of this chat. If you'd like to find out more about us and what we do, check us out at oceanprotect.com.au.